Hi, you're listening to Go See a Show, New York City's independent theater podcast. I don't know if you caught that in the little snippet of audio I grabbed for the sound bed here at the top of the podcast, but an audience member remarked after the show, nothing's changed. And while that might sound a little bleak, after catching Wheelhouse Theater Company's production of Ibsen's An Enemy of the People, you'll definitely see where that audience member is coming from. However, while you could certainly argue that nothing has indeed changed, there's an equally strong argument to be made that we need this kind of theater and this kind of show to keep examining power and keep searching for a way to achieve real positive change. And in addition to its timeliness, This is just a really great production of a classic play. I sat down with the Wheelhouse folks to talk about it after a recent performance. Take a listen. I hope we get into all that stuff, um, because I think you guys picked uh, An Enemy of the People for a really good reason, uh, I'm going to guess. I I don't think it's, I don't think there's a coincidence that uh, I was seeing this play this evening. So uh, welcome back to Wheelhouse. Gentlemen, uh, I would love to get your names back on the mic and also introduce uh, our new guests. So, starting over here. Sure, I'm David Kenner. Uh, I'm doing some trash right now. No big deal. We're having fun. No. We're gonna we're gonna mop the floor. It's all good. I was a co-producer, and then I am also Peter Stockman in the play, the the mayor of the town. We also have. Uh, I'm Michael Schantz. Uh, I played uh, Thomas Stockman. I'm also an associate art, art, artist with Real House. As well as? Jeff Wise, uh, I directed it, and uh, I'm one of the co-founders of Real House with David. Dig it, okay, so as I alluded to in my little quick little intro. <laughs> yes, see, <laughs> I always like say that too. Most recently, I keep getting Tribble was the, was the thing that I've gotten recently, but yeah, I always said Don King and nobody, <laughs> totally. was, nobody got you gotta it. You got to put like a face on there. Or I really should, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's gentlemen of a certain age, I think, is really. Gentlemen of a certain yeah, age. These young kids, these young independent theater kids, they don't, right. they don't know who they Don know, King they is. They don't remember know. the glory days. That's right. Let's get us into some Ibsen because, you know, I mentioned that the show is an enemy of the people. Um, this being uh, one of those perfect plays for our time. So um, can somebody uh, give us the rundown of what the show is for anyone who perhaps missed it in their uh, college theater studies or, uh, (laughs) you know, just from roaming around in the theater world? And then explain to me kind of why Wheelhouse came to this show. Yeah. Uh, all right, pass it well, to the director. I'll take, yeah, I'll, take, I'll take a little bit of that and pass the rest off. Um, so the, so the, the play, um, geez, I should know my Ibsen history better. Michael, you can help me with this. What, he, he, wrote, he wrote this while in exile in 1882, True. and he, it was a response, direct response, to a play that he had written just two years prior um, and typically, he would take anywhere from five to eight years, right, to produ- to write a new play. Uh, and this was his quickest turnaround ever, and that's why it's you know widely regarded as a, as a direct response to what was the name of the play? Ghosts. It to was ghosts. A response to the response to ghosts. Resp- yes, it was a response to the response to ghosts. Yeah. that's right. That's right. That's well said. Also, miss those glory days too. Yeah. Where, where are the rebuttal plays these the re- days? <laughs> <laughs> where right. are the rebuttal right. plays? Well, he was certainly in direct conversation with, with the public. Yes, he was. Yeah, and yeah. this play, is, I think, is quite evident on yeah. that. You know, um, 
but yeah, it was, he wrote, I think he wrote half of it in Italy and then he finished it in Germany. Mm-hmm. He had kind of sort of self-exiled himself mm-hmm. and he was, I think, pretty upset with the Norwegian sort of compact majority and things like the liberal public opinion and um, he was just pushing back, you know, but he didn't write the play. I, um, I, he wrote the play, I think, with the intention of actually pass, I mean, it, it, sort of pacifying, I think, the, the public. He wrote it to be a crowd pleaser. Kind of, he he didn't write it. I mean, he wrote it to to, to sort of yeah, sort to, of. It was a little subservient what he was doing. I think. I, I'm just that, that is to say that, I think that he tried to draw the character of Stockman. I think what he said in one of his letters was that Stockman's a little bit more muddle-headed than I am, and so the the public will be able to digest some of his ideas more easily than they will. Than they will coming from myself. So he's a little yeah. closer to Stockman than I would have guessed. <laughs> he's um, very because, close to Stockman. Because, but he, so yeah. can, can we kind of give like a quick yes synopsis? Let me the elevator synopsis of okay. what the show is right. for anybody we who hasn't that. seen it or read it. Yes. So 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 basically, uh, small town Norway. Uh, there are the healing spas, which are referred to as the baths in the play, and these are a place where sick or invalid people can come and heal through the mineral qualities in the water. This is something that existed, right? And so this is a seaside town that had uh, like these, these the, you know, good quality water to, to, that you could sort of sit in and, and heal. And so the Norwegian Saratoga Springs. Exactly right. <laughs> right. The Norwegian spas and Saratoga Springs. Um, and so the, uh, the, the play centers around the protagonist, uh, Dr. Thomas Stockman and his brother, Peter Stockman, who happens to be the mayor of this small town, as well as the chairman of the board of the baths, and what you come to find out is that the the paths, the baths, excuse me, um, is, sort of stands to, the, to be the economic promise of the town, and the doctor is is seeing people and starts to realize that some of them are sick, and starts to put two and two together, does some tests, and realizes that the water, the source of the water, to the baths is uh, poisoned, full of bacteria, as they say in the play, um, and the bacteria is coming from uh, a tannery, which is essentially a place where they, where they, uh, where they get um, animal skins and they dry them. Uh, so, so what he proposes to do is to let the public know and shut it down. Well, of course, uh, his brother, the mayor, steps in and reads this report and decides that that would be catastrophic for the town's prosperity and so he's like we got to put the stop on this and we'll fix it over time so the two are there at odds and so uh, the doctor takes it to the press um, which is considered the the liberal free press right and then the masses get involved and, and the press the gets involved and in politics press. get involved and business interests get involved, gets involved. you and get a lot of you, you know yeah you get a lot of you get a lot of uh, economic self-interest so um, we see the complication of an issue it's a which is very really complicated smart. yes and we see it from all sides so it's not like we just side with with the doctor in terms of his pursuit of truth and you know and as we referenced earlier the, the doctor's something of a prick at certain moments in the he's not very good at uh there's a moment there's a couple of moments where he's not very good at uh g- giving this medicine with uh the spoonful of sugar as mary poppins might say so sure i think he's i think he tends to call it as he sees it and you know i don't i think that he can be a little obstinate and and uh 
hard-headed and um, but I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, something that we talked about a lot, I think at the end of the day, he is just sort of trying to do his work and present the facts. And I don't think that there's a whole lot of fanfare surrounding that. And I think that it's something that we spoke about in early days before we even started rehearsals that sort of, that he, he, he sort of just by default becomes this kind of revolutionary with, within, on a local level, simply by virtue of the fact that he was just doing his job and he found certain facts and uh, his obligation is to the public health and he just puts those facts forward and I think that any and what happens is that any resistance that he gets I don't he's not no he is not the kind of person uh, that can really entertain any ideas other than ideas that are dealing directly with how to how to solve the the problem, you know, and when it starts to sort of spiral out about, you know, economic interest and certain bureaucratic considerations, I think he just shuts down, you know, to those things. So I think uh, you, you guys reference Flint in your, your program. That parallel is pretty obvious. There's also a lot of uh, other, um, I think, to an audience in June of 2016, clear parallels to talking about the will of the majority and, and how the, the, the public is easily led. Um, there's a lot of really pertinent social stuff going on in the piece. Um, I'm guessing that's why Wheelhouse decided to do this, but Jeff, do you want to tell us a little bit, or, or David, like why this came about? Go ahead. David, you've been so quiet. I, you know, I, I feel like you just really wanted to play the mayor, didn't you? He was like, I really want this sweet That's stick, I want. and I want this sweet hat. The, the stick in the hat, no, man. To David's credit, to David's credit, and it should be known because it, it it boosts David's credit that we actually lost an actor very late in the process. Um, and you know, it happens. It's the business. It happens a lot. And he's you know he's a good friend of ours, and he had he had to go take care of something. So uh, David had been part of the process. Um, just as a, as a member of Wheelhouse and a producer, a co-producer of Wheelhouse. So he, he was in the room for a lot of the rehearsals and he stepped right in and was off book in three days. No way, you're kidding yeah, me. He learned it in yeah, he learned it. Yeah, Hell, dude, I would remarkable. never would have guessed you were not like born into that role. You killed That's it. That's what I'm saying. Thank you That's very much. Credit. All right, so please continue. Now, uh, that, now that your theater partner has sung your praise. Yeah, <laughs> no, <I don't> <laughs> and appropriately so. I don't know what to do. You know, it's interesting. We, you know, there was another theater company that did the show a few months ago, two months ago, I think. Uh, we had been looking at this play for a while now, not in direct, um, in a connotation of any specific political figure, I don't think. Um, I think that we're all political people, but I think we look at the whole spectrum of politics as far as it goes. This play is very political. I think that's what we're talking about. And um, I think once we realized that we really wanted to do it, it just percolates in so many different levels. There is the news media, and in this play, how it's depicted, how it's manipulated, how their interests are at stake, as well as the good of the town, and how those become conflicted. There are the economic interests of the town, which have the same um, complications about them, and there are the political um, consequences and their uh, different, <laughs> very convoluted and yet intricate kind of uh, situations that they go through as far as dealing with this same issue as of 
The doctor found out that the baths are poison, people are using them, yet the economic interests of the town say that the baths need to be open because that's it. So things are suppressed, the media is suppressed, people are suppressed. I think we're dealing with that in a news cycle uh, every other day in different capacities from one side or the other. They happen and we get informed about it. And I think that it wasn't necessarily a slant. You, we wanted to, we, I think we do leave it open to your own kind of take on where, what we're saying here. Both between what is in the script and and how you presented it as well. I think it's, it is very even handed. I, um, this might be forcing the comparison, uh, but it's kind of hard to ignore, at least for me, um, the fact that this is one of the, the first interviews that I've done since the whole um, Caesar public controversy. Sure. And um, the reactions to that, I, as someone who had seen the production, uh, I think are just so wrongheaded because what the production says and what Caesar says is look at the terrible shit that happens when we do not follow the process, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, with that in mind, that's the kind of lead into this idea that with your production, everything's kind of dealt with even-handedly and it doesn't go toward a place of, the doctor is right, here is a screed about why you need to listen to science. It doesn't end that way. It actually, you you see the ramifications, right? So, again, all of that is a, a long preamble to say, like, what have reactions been like from audiences? Are people, um, excited that you're producing something with with such an overtly political theme, or are people angry that you're maybe not doing the political screed that they would mm. want it to be? What, what have reactions been like? I haven't heard. I haven't heard the latter at all. No. In fact, you know, I think I think uh, you know our goal or my goal as the director was to set out to tell this story, not in a specific time context. We actually took great pains to make it sort of timeless, because I think that the issues that come up in this play are timeless, as history has proven. And so we sort of tried to tip our hat to that and set it in a time that you couldn't really tell, uh, in a town that you weren't really sure. Um, Because it can happen anywhere, and it does. And so I think what people, they come in and they see the relevant themes of Science denying, or there was the a talk- lot of like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, there was, I, yeah, happens every night, yeah, and a and a you know the, the 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 toxicity of the liberal majority and the the you know the whistleblowing and you know, all the themes that that we've seen you know in the in the past few years, and and they they draw their own connections. And they don't. They don't really need us to do that, you know. I mean, yeah, you could absolutely take this play and update it and set it in Flint, Michigan. And in fact, there's a theater company that's doing that in Flint, Michigan. And that's important that they bring awareness to that town. That was not what we were trying to do at all. Um, we are donating money to the ACLU Michigan because of the Flint water crisis, but we wanted to do that because, you know, there, it's just it's a way to 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 make this this small level of theater matter, you know, where essentially your friends and your family and a few others are coming to support. These kind of endeavors in small black jerks box theaters, with microphones, and jerks, and jerks <laughs> with, yeah. with with who, who is this again? Don King, Don King, Don King, Don King, Don King inspired microphones. You have a whole line of microphones inspired. But you know, and we uh, got uh, hell. We would love for the whole world to come and see this, you know. Um, but that's not the reality of producing plays in New York City. Um, but we wanted to try and give back. So the reaction has been has been, you know, mostly just a shaking ahead of like, Jesus, you know, times haven't changed. 
and and that's really deflating <laughs> when you when you see something that was written in 1882 and see how strikingly relevant it is today where phrases like drain the swamp were literally already in this translation yeah i was about to say that wasn't something that, that was you not guys added something in. that we wrote in oh, wow. No. And 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 no, any company that you see that produces this play, the director. I was just reading an article about this company that's doing it in Flint, Michigan, and they did a reading, and and the people were like, "Wow, you really changed the text." And she was like, "No, I didn't. This is the text. This is it." And it, and it and it's so that that is something when you realize that, it just really hits home how how history repeats itself, you know, and it's. Yeah, and the the title enemy of the, or the the phrase enemy of the people, um, you know, is something that cycles. It, it sort of rears its head, sort of in cycles through history. And I think it had, it, like, I, I can't remember. I read something, but it, it hadn't really been sort of um, used in a while. Like a popular and then he, phrase. It, yeah, and then and Ibsen wrote this play, and right. then it kind of went dormant for a little. And it and it and it tends to sort of like sort of show up during sort of densely political, you know, conflict. Really familiar. I feel like uh, and... our media got called that by our head of state That's right. That's quite right. recently, That's correct? Right. It's possible. It's possible. It's, it's possible. Fake news. Um, I mean, listen, the thing, the thing that I, the thing that I, that really like motivated me to do this play, the theme that I, that I think stands out the most is is this idea of what it takes to step outside the collective and have a new idea. And that is something that I think Ibsen was directly pointing at. We, we had this big conversation at the beginning of the process about what is a revolutionary. And we did some research about it. We read some articles about it. And, you know, looking at, you know, is Dr. Stockman a revolutionary? There's a line in the play where he gets mocked. Ooh, he's a revolutionary now, right? And yes, he is in many ways. And Ibsen certainly was a revolutionary, uh, not only as, a, as you know, coined the father of realism and changed the face of contemporary plays from his time on, but beyond that, he was single-handedly pointing his finger at the middle class, and that is exactly what, what this play is doing. He is saying that the middle class is a, is a toxic entity because it thrives on conformity. And it doesn't allow for a member of the middle class to step outside and say, hey, wait, I have a new idea, because they will be condemned um, much the way Thomas Stockman is in this play. And so that to me, and, and I think we've all felt that in our own personal lives in some small way, certainly maybe not on the scale that Ibsen did, but in a way where you, know, you, you have an idea that's different from those around you, your group of friends, you know, whatever. and and, and you try and step outside of that and you will feel a pressure. You will feel a pressure and you will feel like an outsider, an outcast, a freak, a weirdo or whatever. And you know, it, it gets to a certain point where you start, to, you start to suppress your own thoughts, reactions, feelings about something that may be genuine inside of you, but because the threat of separation from your identified crowd, you will, you will put that down. And I think that is toxic. That's toxic to, to the expression of new ideas. And so I think that is what Ibsen was after at its core in this play. He was pointing his finger at the toxicity of the middle class, which in this play is considered the liberal majority. Right. right. And that's what I hope, I hope people walk away from this play 
understanding that and, and you know it's a deep it's a it's a deep issue and they may not walk away with that one one of the things you realize you know i mean i i think for me you know and i was lucky enough that jeff sort of has brought me into the fold here with with the company and just as a collaborator and um you know, of course you're always going to have someone like ibsen on your mind as a potential sort of playwright to grapple with um and the thing you realize when you start rehearsals is, I mean, you just, you're reminded, you know, certainly if you haven't worked on like, you know, a, a great modern play written by a master in a while, you realize very quickly how, how masterfully, you know, someone can put a play together. I mean, the conflict is so dense. It's so compact, you know, that it, there's no air in the play really at, at all. Certainly not in ours that we've cut down to so, so much, but but it is, you, you really get, you know, um, the character, like every character wants something very, very strongly. And, um, and, and those wants and desires are in direct conflict with the other wants in the play. And so inside of the play as an actor, um, you, you, you get a taste of that very on in, early on in rehearsals and you're like, oh, that's why these plays are done because they're just so good. And ultimately at the end of the day, all of the sort of, you know, social, social messaging, the political messaging that's in the play, whatever Ibsen was after, you know, a lot of people say it's one of his most didactic plays, you know, all of that aside, it hopefully it should just be kind of entertaining too. I mean, he was just, he was a dramatist who was trying to make a living as a writer. And, and following those conflicts very, Attentively, as an audience member, at least I was. It was yeah, like, you, yeah. You, I would you, say it's actually not didactic at all. It it, it felt oh well, good, good. Like you very much good. like see all sides. Right, it's, right, right. We're intentionally playing with how complicated this conflict, as you said, like, mm -hmm. there's no air in there. Yeah, like, right. Play it's with tight. as it's very tight yeah. and con like how conflicted the conflict it can be. Yeah. Right, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I, I just it's 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 one of his least poetic plays. It is very much a political and, and, a, and a sort of an idea based reaction to, you know, people that uh, didn't accept his previous play or whatever. But he really churned it out quickly. And, and it's a little less poetic, you know, than, than some of his others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's some excellent work that you guys got going on on stage here. We're at the Gene Frankel. Um, Y'all run through when? We run through the 24th of June. It's quick. And very quick. Well, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's indie theater. That's how it usually <laughs> rolls. Yep. Uh, but uh, yep. tickets and more information can be found at wheelhousetheater.com. With an R-E? E-R. No, we're not a theatre. We're a theater. <laughs> theater. Yeah, theater. Theater. We'll come yeah. to the Gene Frankel Theater yeah, to yes. see some... Uh, or, or TDF. You, know, ah, you yes. can take us on TDF as All well. Right, cool. Yeah. Discount there. Yeah. yeah, come on out. Support it. Just come and check it out. Um, this is good stuff. So. Because mm, these guys are going to win some awards for this show. Yeah. I do. So you're gonna to want to say you saw him. Oh, that's you great. saw him here. Hey, we're gonna win awards. I heard it here first. I heard it here first. <laughs> All right. I'll remember that. I'll remember that. Well, we might thank you in our speeches. And we thank you, Robert, for coming. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks, thank Robert, you so for coming back supporting. to supporting. Thank I'm thanking you for the beer. Really appreciate <laughs> that. Is the and least for I could do. A really great show. So thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Take care. 
Thank you, Jeff, David, and Michael, for hanging out after the show to chat. And once again, thank you for the beer. You can catch Wheelhouse Theatre Company's production of An Enemy of the People at the Gene Frankel Theatre, 24 Bond Street in Manhattan through June 24, 2017. Head to wheelhousetheatre.com, and that's theatre with an E-R, for a link to tickets and more information. And after an interview about an independent theater show with political themes, I'm going to give a pitch for the organization working in the political world on behalf of the interests of independent theater artists. If you aren't yet a member of the League of Independent Theater, please do consider joining. Membership is free to any and all folks working in indie theater. Head to litny.org to sign up and find out how you can get involved. Thanks to you for listening into the podcast. If you dig it, please. Give it a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash go see a show. Follow at go see a show on Twitter and rate or comment on the show's Apple Podcasts page. Until next time, go see a show. Yeah. <laughs> That's some good foley right there. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. It's going to be quiet. You got to let it be. Salud. Here. Salud.